0: Hello, everyone. I'm Elena Armijo, and I'm the founder of the C Suite Collective. This is a company I created for executive leadership coaching and wellness that supports C Suite executives, entrepreneurs, and founders. We support modern companies committed to fostering diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, holistic organizational growth, and generational impact for years to come. Now, more than ever, businesses are running faster and with fewer resources. Burnout, overwhelm, disconnection, and disillusionment are the new norm for teams struggling with an old paradigm. At the C-Suite Collective, we believe deeply that providing massive support for your teams through executive coaching and holistic practices will create an inclusive culture, higher levels of performance, sustainable change, and the organizational impact you desire. You can find us at the c-suitecollective.com. How do we work with our defensiveness? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment, we have Andrea Taylor, who consults with mid-sized, high-growth businesses to develop their leadership bench. I hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. How do we work with our defensiveness? So this is something I've been speaking to a lot of my clients about and also looking at in myself. As I've grown over the past few years through the pandemic, through um, racial injustice and social unrest, um, through changes in our health and our work environments, and even myself moving to California from New York, I've really taken a look at who have I become around being afraid or defensive? This also stems from a lot of the work I'm doing around inclusion and belonging with companies and really taking a look at what do people need to feel heard and seen. So what I want to offer you today is a couple ways to look at your own defensiveness. Every human being who enters a conflict conversation will have a physical reaction. We are, we're human. We think that we're being attacked. We can go back to the primal part of our brains that uh, really you know, come online when they think that we are being attacked. And that still happens in real time for our bodies in conflict conversations. So when you're in a leader in a room and you're giving feedback to someone, you might have some feelings or sensations going on in your body. And I guarantee you, if you're the one receiving feedback, you probably have some feelings going on in your body. So the very first thing that I that I'm offering you today is to slow down. When you know that you're in this conversation, remind yourself to go really slow and pause. So the very first thing I might say to myself is, "Okay, this is a this is a conversation where I'm feeling defensive. I can already feel that my body is tight, my heart is racing, I'm sweating." And I'm going to slow way down and I'm going to pause and take a breath. So after you take a huge breath, you might notice That you may need more time. So, see if the breath was able to calm you down a bit to be in the conversation and actually ground yourself in the conversation, or if you need more time. If you do need more time, please take it. There's no shame in saying, I don't think I can talk about this right now, and I need 30 minutes or a day or till the end of the week, and I promise I will bring it back to you to talk about. That is a, a, uh, A way to pause the conversation in real time and regulate yourself, but also give yourself space to breathe. Now be careful because sometimes people will use that for every conflict conversation and really they're not actually practicing being in the moment with the fear as it's happening. So take a look. Do you need to pause and breathe or do you need to pause and actually stop the conversation for a moment? The next thing is remind yourself that the person you're talking to, you actually want to be in relationship and partnership with. So in a situation where it's an employee and a boss, remind yourself that your boss wants this to work and you want this to work. So it's just another way to ground and regulate yourself outside of a fear-based conversation around, I'm being attacked or I'm not safe. Now, granted, sometimes feedback conversations, especially nowadays with the recessions, may lead to something happening where you're being let go. And if that conversation is happening, remember... You're going to have the same feelings and sensations that you would if it's just a normal feedback conversation. So pause, slow down, breathe. The last thing is, if you're still feeling defensive about something, I would take a look at if you're willing to change your opinion of what's being talked about. If you're not willing and you have a strong stance around the way you feel, but you're not willing to be open or listen to a new lens or really hear the other person, then you might need to own that. Because the conversation is going to keep being defensive if we can't lower that shield or lower that guard that you have against the person to really take them in and really feel what's going on together. Andrea, thank you so much for being here today. I, when... You were introduced to me via John, John Beaton, who is my, my amazing uh, podcast team, yes, him and, and a whole bunch of other people, right? We were connected through him and I was just, um, I was so excited to speak with you the first time we met because you have such a light about you mm-hmm. um, and courage just pours through your voice and your soul and your heart with what you're doing in the world. So thank you for being here. Elena, it's my pleasure to be
1: part of the collective corner. Uh such a pleasure to meet you. And um yeah, I uh just appreciate those amazing words. I, I would say courage is one of those words that defines me. Sometimes I jump into spaces. Yeah. And because they're really important to me. And whether it's motherhood that we were just talking about briefly or yeah. you know, leadership development, just things I'm really passionate about and love talking about.
0: Yeah, well, I, I would love to just jump right in. Uh, well, happy belated Mother's Day. Thank you. That was, <laughs> so, um, you were just sharing. Do you want to share a little bit about your twins or sure. anything?
1: Sure. I have I have twins that are now um, 18 and a half. And it's that mm-hmm. uh, time in life where they're starting to forge their way into the world and decide what they want to be and where they want to go. So, um, you know, it's both. I remember I had a friend when I was in a Mothers of Twins club when I was, uh, when the kids were little. And I asked one of the other mothers, does it ever get easier? And she says, "Um, it doesn't get easier. The issues just changed. It's easier, like it's not so physically demanding, but I think to see your kids at this age when they're getting ready to move on, you hope you've imparted your best values to them and uh, courage and restraint when needed. So it's really exciting to see them at 18 and a half. One's looking at going in oceanography. and The other oh, wants wow. to be EMT firefighter. So oh,
0: yeah, I love it. Exciting. Yeah. They have big hearts. You can tell through what they want they to do. do. They do. Well, how has being a mom, especially a mom of twins, you know, we've got some twins in my family. Um, I've got a set of cousins and my aunt gave birth to twins. So, so we are no stranger to twins in our family as well. Um, how has being a mother of twins helps develop you as a leader in the world? That's a great question. So I think a couple of things, particularly because I'm a
1: single mom. So that requires, I think, courage and leadership all on its own. It's so funny because a lot of times, work that I will do with leaders and managers, they're the same issues about setting clear expectations, inspiring people to do more, to do better, you know, having those difficult conversations. So, um, I think it's encouraged me really to be the best I can be as a leader and to do what I really want to enjoy doing, which I'm doing in my work now, because that's a model for your children. And, uh, you know, early on, I got to spend, you know, the first I'd say four years with the kids when they were little. And I moved back to Napa where my mother is and she was a huge support. She's a huge role model. So, and then I went back to work full time and, you know, I feel some moms struggle with that, but I feel like that's who I want my kids to know that moms can do both. You can be a great mom and you need to lean in, in some seasons in with work and some with the kids and really balance those needs. One time uh, in a job interview, Elena, somebody said, so how are you at multitasking? I said, "Well, I'm a mother of twins."
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like welcome. That's yeah, what I do, what I do best. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really great. Um, well, tell tell me a little bit about what you do. Tell me about your company because okay. I want everybody to know about that. But um, and what your sweet spot is with leaders. Okay.
1: So my company is called Talent Exponential. So really building leadership within companies rather than buying external talent. It's so important to develop leaders from within. You know, it just does so much for uh, employees in the company to know they have a career pathway. And um, it really builds that internal capacity because sometimes when you're trying to hire from outside, you're not getting the right fit. So that's really what I love doing. is like helping, particularly mid-sized companies because they don't have a strategic HR partner. And that's Mm -hmm. what I really am to say, come in and say, what are your needs? Where's your leadership gaps? How are you measuring leadership? Are you investing in that and helping them identify that and identify particularly their um, high capacity, high potential leaders to really grow and develop those so that they are building their own pipeline from within. And uh, I was just reading, you know, I have a friend who's an executive coach and she was, she's working with some big name programs and, you know, a lot of big companies invest in leadership, but a lot mm-hmm. of mid-sized companies where, you know, I'm leaning into help is they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do that. And investing in your talent's never been more important because people, so many people left during COVID and now they talk about, so there's the, the big quit. There was the, now it's like the quiet quitting where people are just not as investing in much. So if you engage people in their own development and um, give them the opportunity to do what they do best. That's what I really enjoy doing.
0: I love that, and I that's something you and I um, connected over very early mm-hmm. on. Is with the C suite collective, uh, doing the same, changing culture from the inside out with leaders. And I love that you're focusing on midsize because we are as well. And what are some of the, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing today after the pandemic, after hybrid workforce, after social and racial, you know, justice conversations. Where are you at now? Where, what are leaders talking about now that you're seeing?
1: You know, I um I think the issue of investing in talent, people realize now more than ever how important it is. Um, I was just reading an article because um, I try to stay up on like the latest trends and what's going on. But, you know, it has shifted really from um, just keeping people seeing, so you, you know, you have your stable workforce and like through the pandemic, and the issues with racial justice is really like you shifted culture from inside. And a lot of companies are kind of swirling. They haven't really landed. I've done some work with large health healthcare companies where like, they're trying to figure out how to address those issues and, you know, work with a hybrid workforce. There's a lot of issues. And I think that there are so many significant changes that are going on just in the very nature of work and how we work and what people are doing to try to Mm -hmm. respond to that. I mean, it's a whole new frontier in some ways. And yet the basic principles, I mean, I feel like one of my, one of my deep values is people should do work they enjoy. They should love what they do. Right. And so helping people find that sweet spot that you were talking about so they can do what they do well and contribute to a company is really important. And so helping companies just identify like, what are their needs? Who do they have to develop and really grow and develop that talent? It's just interesting that the the whole nature of work is just really changing. And so how do we really help support that? you know from where you and I sit to help people build cultures that are resilient? My new term is like sustainable leadership, Elaine, it's yeah, like we've got yeah. to be sustainable as leaders, right? Yeah, like you were just talking about feeling nourished from your weekend. How do we stay nourished? Mm-hmm. How do we stay whole so that we can lead well? Because it's not just about I think more and more you see that you hear about empathetic leaders. And how important mm-hmm. it is for leaders to be compassionate. And I love Brene's Brown. Brene Brown's, her like, um, compassion is empathy plus action. And that's what we need leaders to be doing. But then how do we, not only are we sustainable, but how do we build a sustainable workforce? So how do we build the capabilities and the hearts and the minds of leaders behind us so that they can mm-hmm. lead well in companies?
0: Well, and what's your vision for a sustainable workforce? Because I, I love that you broke down your definition of that. And then- what will that lead us all to? Like, what what do we get if we have that sustainable workforce?
1: So, I think for leaders ourselves, because you hear there's so much burnout, particularly because I've been around healthcare a lot in the last eleven years. Oh, yeah. and it's such a difficult um, spot with the pandemic and not having enough talent. Just people leaving because it is such a it's been such a difficult place. If we are able to create sustainable leaders who. We have to invest in people. We have to give them the opportunity. And so I think that helps create resilience and um, strength when you're leading from a place of where you, what you're good at and what you love mm-hmm. doing and knowing that you're making a difference. I mean, for me, that's one of the things if I can help a leader um, feel more capable, more effective, do a better job of having conversations, seeing who's next in line so they can invest in others that makes them feel much, you know, more capable and stronger. So they're going to be able to be more effective. I think for sustainable workforce, we're going to have to um, examine more of those, what works hybrid, what doesn't work hybrid? What are some new ways we can do work? Um, You know, the whole gig economy is is huge, even within like large organizations using that part-time work. So I, I feel like we're kind of at a, I don't know what the future looks like, but I think it it really matters. A lot of people really enjoy what they're doing. If leaders support them in doing what they do best, I think giving some flexibility, working with mm-hmm. people, what, you know, mm-hmm. what works for them and um, will lead us to a better, a better future in work. So I think it's really still in the
0: yeah. in the midst of
1: that. I'm sure you see that
0: too. I do. I, we're seeing everything you just described and um, it, it makes me think of, what the common um, questions or resistance mm-hmm. is for leaders right now, because mm-hmm. I'm always curious about when we get hired um, to come in, what, what are the things that people are most concerned about? And I think for the people that are really willing to invest, but also very concerned, one of the common things I hear about is how, how can I still be an empathetic leader and leave room for feelings and emotions, but also be able to move, move the business forward and create more uh, ROI and KPIs. Yeah. and um, There is that so, tension,
1: isn't there? It's like yeah, holding yeah. Holding that, what, what, that space yeah. in between exactly.
0: Yeah. What are you hearing from yours? I think that's
1: uh, a spot on, you know, I think there's the pressure because um, business, it can be a lot more difficult. I don't have the people I need to run the business that it is that difficult place of like, like you just said, how do I move the business forward? How do I invest? You know, and then how do I care for my people in the middle of that as well? It, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Companies are, are different, but I think helping leaders build a well-rounded capacity, right? To acknowledge that people do have feelings and some people have really big feelings and emotions and difficult situations. Some people have, you know, particularly after the pandemic, the mental wellness, it's just huge. And, and that well-being and self-care One of the things we're doing is looking more into like self-leadership. How do you build your own capacity to feel like you can Mm -hmm. lead and lead well? How do you have it regardless of whatever level you can be that leader? Like, you know, how do you build your own agency and your sense of that? Yes, I can do this and I can lean in to help leaders at all levels um, to Mm -hmm. do that. It is funny because, you know, I'm on LinkedIn a lot as well. And you do see sometimes I get annoyed because it's like they're like a good leader is one thing it's an empathetic leader. No, it's this. So there's a list of 10 characteristics and no leader can ever <laughs> live up to all of those. And, you know, it's like leadership's an art, it's not a formula. And so how do you really help those leaders identify what they need help given those skills and abilities to balance out, you know, you, you're leading people, you're not leading machinery. So mm. how you help, mm-hmm. you know, work with people and give them what they need. I mean, that's what some of the best leaders I've worked for, I'll say, you know, there's a lot of I had this happen recently with a client where, you know, we were working together and um, she gave me some of the most targeted, specific feedback I ever heard that you know, I've had recently about my work. And my heart swelled, Elena. I was like, wow, you really saw me. You saw what my contribution is. And, um, you know, that really that type of recognition. And I see you. I see what you do. I'm not just like great job or that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. That, that nourishes and feeds people when you feel like your contribution oh, so really good. matters.
0: Yeah. Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement yes. goes a long way. It does go I, a I've long heard way. So many times in my life. Okay. Well, what about the leaders who are worried about the recession or, I mean, I, in the last three or four months for myself, there's been a lot of clients that come and say, I had to, I had to cut, you know, I had to make these cuts and I had to pull back and they're um maybe in a lot of frustration and, and heartbreak around that. But mm-hmm. what are you what are you seeing with the people you're working with around the recession and mm-hmm. the fears there?
1: You know, I think it is difficult when you look at the recession. You know, it, it is going to impact companies. It's impacting businesses. It's, it's certainly a reality. I just look at, you know, and the other big thing that's happening, particularly that you hear about is, you know, GPT chat and AI. Oh, and yeah. That's going to play. You know, I feel like, um, I certainly said this, some uh, industries like healthcare they're in the middle of a sea change and i feel like things are not going to be like they were in the recession and so we as you know leaders of organizations and companies with our clients we're going to have to figure out how to do you know how to pivot and how to do work a little bit differently how do we we need to be creative because it is not the world it used to be and so how do we really adapt to that You know, I wish I had the answer for the recession, Um, but I think, you know, how can we be as resilient as possible? And, uh, you know, I think it's really it's really difficult when you see large companies just laying off swaths of people. And I've seen it within organizations. They they cut out layers of good people and then they Mm -hmm. require the person who's taking over the role to manage two or three times. And so I think we have got to pay attention to people within our organizations and really equip them so they can do a good job there. It'll be interesting to see how things continue to evolve in the next couple years and then beyond that. So, it's change is not going to get slower. (laughs) That is
0: great. (laughs) Yeah, change is going to come whether you want it to or not. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What have been some of your most successful moments with clients that have like really warmed your heart? Uh You got any of those success
1: stories? Yes. Love to share some success stories. I worked with a a company that was in, um, they were kind of in the sports industry. Mm -hmm. And so they had actually um, grown tremendously because they were like outdoor sports during the pandemic. So, you know, calling in and checking on people and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're growing incredibly. Can you come help us? You know? And it's always, I think for organizations, it's like they always feel like leadership development is such a huge investment. You know, Mm -hmm. that they're intimidated by it. They don't really understand the benefit. But um, coming in to work with them and help them identify. um, Because one of the things that I like to do is like every company has a strategic plan, right? But they don't have strategic people plans. And it's like you've got to have the people to really support your strategic business plan. And so helping them match what their needs are. Um, And they had actually hired somebody from outside in like a chief marketing role who was just Mm -hmm. not a good fit. And um, rather than looking internally and getting ready, building those people. So we worked with them to help, you know, they'd already hired the person that had really helping the the top level, the executive team work well together and identify and then helped them really build a plan. It's like, OK, well, what do you need to do people wise, you know, in the next six months? What do you need to do people wise in the next couple of years? So they have like a plan and then who can help fill those roles. So that really helping them identify inside who's their best talent And um, then I run leadership development cohorts. And so um, we had um, 70% of the leaders that went through, it was like a six month program, within a year got promoted into another role. Now, obviously you've given me your like top talent to invest in and the company's growing, but, you know, I was very encouraged that we saw that many people move up into their next role within Mm -hmm. a year because they were just equipped and ready. And one of my favorite things too, Elena, is I love to help leaders learn from one another, like in the leadership cohorts I do, everybody yeah. brings expertise, right? Just like we're having this conversation, it's like, there's things you're amazing at, there's things that I'm amazing at. And so you get yeah. to share those and help educate your peers. And so it also helps them um, become more informed about the business.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And especially when people are feeling alone on that journey, yes. right? That mm-hmm. developmental journey of leadership. Uh, it From there, it's how will we grow together and have a have a space that's um, welcomed and I, I won't say safe, I guess, because we can't guarantee psychologically safe spaces, but a space where you can actually be seen and get p- that peer support, that mentor support. Yeah.
1: I will say that's yeah. one of the pieces of feedback that we hear all the time. When leaders get with other leaders, mm-hmm. they're like, oh my gosh, you have the same problems I do. Th- that level of that, like, <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) It's something about sharing the miseries and joys and um, problems together that really makes a big difference. Like you said, people to know they're not alone and they have some support and the leaders are always very appreciative of the opportunity. We try to make the opportunity challenging as well and give them projects they have to work on together, which not only creates, you know, the business has some solutions we deliver to them but they learn how to interact with different you know, people and lead and show up differently. It's important in being a leader. How do you show up and what's your, your presence as a leader?
0: Mm, I love that. Well, uh, so we talked about best cases. So have there been any tough cases? Cause I always like to remind people that it's not, it's not oh, always. Of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I there think sometimes, yeah,
1: no, exactly. There's a the tough cases where um, people will come in and, and I'm, I'm sure this resonates with you Elena, where they're like, I, I, can you come in and help me with this? And as you start talking with them, you realize it's a very narrow problem
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: they're mm-hmm. like, we want you to come fix a problem that has been in place for five years. And mm-hmm. we want to give you a one day maybe to fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. yes, I have a magic wand and some fairy dust and I'm going to come sprinkle it. It'll be all okay. But um, I think where most often the difficulties if leaders are not open to feedback, you know, because Mm -hmm. for companies to change, the leaders have to change. It's one of the reasons that I got into leadership development is leaders make the biggest difference in a company where they're at the top, they create culture, they either create engagement or disengagement. And sometimes those leaders just aren't willing. They want to fix everybody else, but they're not willing to have that feedback and invest in that. So those are the difficult cases where it just doesn't really go anywhere because there's really no change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the heartbreaking ones, right. And and so one of the things we look at in the C-suite collective is, are you on board for long-term work? You know, that's sustainable, as we talked about at the beginning of this conversation and something that will have structures that we can put in place to continue to practice with you while you're moving through this change. Um, Cause similar to yourself, when it's one, a one and done day, it feels really incomplete and everybody typically has a nice conversation and then forgets about it as soon as they, they leave do. the room. And then they're that much more resistant next time you come in
1: because they're like, nothing, nothing happened, Nothing really changed. Yeah. No, I love that you do that long-term commitment to work with leaders. Cause that's what really shifts culture. Like you said, culture is, um, I was like, you know, Peter Drucker's famous quote about, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast.
0: Mm -hmm. But I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's
1: leaders is that culture. And unless they do that and do that, well, they're really willing to invest. I think they help for those quick results. It doesn't really change anything. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the other thing that breaks my heart, Elena, is when you see people with high potential in companies and leaders aren't willing to promote them. They're like, no, they're not ready. They're not ready. They need this. And then that talent leaves your company. And so it's a, it's a loss. For that company, um, because they chose not to really invest or give them that opportunity to grow, it's like we need to give people opportunity a little earlier and support them along the way as they grow into their role.
0: Mm, it's really, sad beautifully, to be sad. Yeah. beautifully said. Beautifully mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Well, what is your hope for the next year? I mean, we're halfway through the year right now, but you know, if we look over the next six months towards the end of the year, but then into 2024, what do you hope to see change through your work? I would love to see. Um, I'm hoping because I'm new into the
1: area down in uh, San Diego, North San Diego area. So really like building my client base here and working with clients. And so I'm really Mm -hmm. putting together. I mean, I have a couple. I have no lack of ideas, um, but I would love to do some additional work around supporting women in leadership because I feel oftentimes uh, women don't have that opportunity. Uh, to grow and be promoted. And um, I would love to do some of that work here in the area. I feel like there's so much opportunity in in San Diego. There's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting energy. It's growing and developing and it's such an interesting area here. It's like, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to really pull together some women's events and um, as well as around just, you know, growing my business in the leadership development space and running a couple more uh, leadership development cohorts. So I'm like, you know, my plan is to like keep growing my business till the kids leave the house and then move a little closer to the beach and keep growing my business. So.
0: Perfect. That sounds like a beautiful year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it'd be a year, year and a half, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had one piece of advice for the world, what would you say? Oh my the, goodness. Uh, what would I say? You with one piece of
1: advice. I, I would say, don't be afraid to step out to do what you really want to do. I, um, I've done that a couple of times in my life too. I feel like I've recreated myself and it, don't be afraid to take that step. get the support you need around you, you know, that talent, the other people that build into you. Cause I don't want to live with those regrets that I didn't try, you know, it's that same thing moving into my own business. is a big step. So I want to encourage women to be cor- go back to the the courage. That's like, be courageous. You can
0: do more than you think you can do. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom, Andrea, today, and also your hope and what your what your superpower is. You're such a. Uh, <laughs> thank a, you, Elena. Friend, you said in the beginning, and the organizations and leaders all over the world are lucky to work with you. So thank you so much oh, for being pleasure. Thank you, Elena.